When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's rock comedian and huge Kiss fan Don Jameson, and you're listening to the number one ranked Kiss podcast, the Shout It Out Loud cast. Shout It Out Loud cast. Shout it. Shout it out loud with Tom and Zeus. Mm. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to Shout It Out Loudcast. Don't turn your radio dial. You're in the right place because the album review crew is back with episode number 48. We are calling this one. All right, you sinners. I'm going to give you fair warning because I don't want to hear about it later. But the three of us don't all have the same to taste in Van Halen. So let's get, 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 get this review going. Tommy. Zeus, how are you? Oh, good morning. And where else would you rather be on a Sunday morning, 8 o'clock Eastern time, on my second cup of coffee, looking at these two handsome men? This is the place to be. Van Halen, baby. Right, Zeus? Oh, yeah. Lovely. (laughs) Good morning. (laughs) Exactly. That's what it is. Yeah, Tom, it's going to be a rough morning, but I hope... uh, David Lee Roth's yelps and screams and whatever he does uh, will wake me up. Uh, So we did uh, last time uh, another classic rock band, and that was Aerosmith. That was a Patreon pick. They picked rocks. Mm -hmm. And I think we uh, did the poll, right? We did. Yep. And the poll, as always, uh, four songs. And from Rocks, we picked Last Child, Sick as a Dog, Back in the Saddle, and Nobody's Fault. And not a big surprise there, Back in the Saddle runs away with 53% of the poll. Last Child comes in at 20, Sick as a Dog at 15, Nobody's Fault at 12. Um, And I guess we'll just get this out of the way now in terms of feedback. Uh, Everybody pretty much loves this album. Uh, We were saying before we hit record that sometimes when we do an album that is like, generally like applauded as a classic the feedback is uh, can be kind of boring um because everybody just you know bet my favorite aerosmith album perfect 10 great classic rock blah, 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 blah. um all i heard all i saw in the comments was you obviously have not listened to this album for a long time because you will be saying all this shit oh stop it um yeah, well, uh, um, gen- again, generally speaking, hands down the best Aerosmith record. That's John Schaefer. Um, Focus on Metal Twitter page says, still one of my favorite albums after all these years. 
Our buddy Nige, best Aerosmith album. Our buddy Jack Broad, 10 out of 10, a masterpiece. Of course, Sonny thinks it's overrated. <laughs> Absolutely um, overrated. Yeah. So, oh, and we, oh, and oh, hold on, hold on. We got a comment from our buddy Tony from Restrained, who is also responsible for our amazing intro music. Every once in a while, we remember this. But Tony says, because I remember during the Rocks episode, we were teasing him about his album titles for Restrained. He says, "God of War" is our third record. Restrained Two is our fourth record. Why is that confusing? Well, it's conf- and then he puts up pictures of all his album covers, which Tony, we love you. That doesn't help fix the problem. But we're still on our eighth drummer. Uh, no, he said we're only on their third drummer and fourth bassist. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, in short, everybody on Twitter loves Aerosmith rocks. So the feedback was across the board, just pretty much high praise for this classic. On the book of faith, Zane Beasley says, "I'm with Sonny." overrated oh there you go good god first comment i saw there you go uh paul Heider, desmond child would never have allowed that it's in quotes it says sunny summing up why he can't get on board with arrowsmith rock sunny i'm sorry but this is the sort of comment that cuts both ways great bands sold their rock and roll souls or got them returned in exchange for pop formula hits Mm-hmm. Aerosmith, Van Halen, Def Leppard, Motley Crue, Kiss, ACDC, Guns N' Roses. So many great great bands started out doing what they were allowed to one degree or another, even though it meant abandoning with uh, what made them unique and timeless. Once they did that, most of them died with the 80s, only experiencing a resurrection if they had enough classic back catalog. Ooh, good comment. I like that one. And they're still selling arenas. Mm-hmm. Yep. Unlike the bands that didn't connect with Desmond Child that are still working in McDonald's or on or on the Monsters of Rock Cruise. There you go. (laughs) They work. (laughs) They work. (laughs) When you think of garbage, think of 80s rock. (laughs) The great Brad Rustoven, also known as Backpack Brad. Uh, Rocks is greater than toys. Well done, Patreon members. Great pick. In my opinion, Aerosmith's best album. So let me get this straight. Sonny Pooney has night songs in his top 10 and close to a desert island album, but he only got Rocks at 37. <laughs> Without Rocks, there'd be no Cinderella. Just saying. And? Oh, no, and then Sonny's feedback was, what did you say? You said something like, without Mexican food, there'd be no shit. Or something <laughs> without like pizza. Without yeah. pizza, there'd be no shit. What's that got to do with anything? I don't know. David Selders, I can review it. Awesome. Aerosmith's best album. End of story. All right, good night. Thanks. Oh, okay, that's the end of the story. Okay, that's it. Fair warning. Shit. End of story. Oh, good come night. on. Here, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Brian Robinson writes, Sonny had to urban dictionary sweet sassafrasi. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I had to urban dictionary the other day. Fupa. I'm not going to tell you what it is. F- Why? You just need to look at a picture of Chris Christie. Or Bill Parcells in the 80s. Bill Parcells. Yeah, that's all you need. You can go look at that yourself. Somebody wrote. All over stuff in the building. <laughs> I love Fupa. I'm like, oh, good for you. Those two are the Fupa kings. Yeah, it's called the Gunt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Louis Hilva 
one of the greatest albums on the planet, World to Cassette. Uh, we're out of the fucking tracks. Most millennials won't even know what the hell that is. Then about to CD top the bottom. I'm good, Delia. Oh, what the <laughs> fuck? Speak English, buddy. The fuck? <laughs> His name happened to be Louis Silver, too. Sorry. I fucking... <laughs> It's a good album. I like. I like the music. <laughs> I couldn't read it. Um, over on Loudcasters, Yanni uh, Aslak Rasanin. After all the Aerosmith bashing among the Kiss tards, I'm really looking forward to listening to this episode. Tyler's my all-time favorite white male voice in rock. My all-time favorite per se being the late, great Tina Turner. Sick as a dog is a real gem. Also, the post done with mirrors, which blows, in my opinion, albums, a pretty darn good hard rock records. Nine Lives being the most underrated of them all. I like Nine Lives. Yuck. I love it. Yuck. <laughs> Justin Steele. I guess there's no accountant for taste. To me, this is a true hard rock classic. I shouldn't be, but I'm shocked anyone sees it differently. I think he's talking about <clears throat> a certain co-host. Bring it. Well, get, get ready, Van Halen fans, because it ain't going to get any yeah, better this episode. It. Yeah, bring it. Greg <laughs> Gallagher says, enjoy this now, because Sonny's next pick is Corey Feldman. <laughs> I'm not allowed to pick Corey. We can't pick Pop here. Oh. That's not true. What are you talking about? I picked Prince. Oh. Prince, Prince is Pop. Oh, if we could oh I thought Pop. he was a rock guy. Oh, oh, if we could pick Pop. Go ahead. My next pick. Fucking terrible pick, Pop pick, albums. Pick Backstreet Boys live in Bolivia. I don't care. <laughs> nope. There's better than Backstreet Boys. Oh, God. This could be uh, the last episode of ARC. Johnny <laughs> Stubble, better known as Joey Romanick. Um, Stubble. <laughs> Murph keeps trying to convince me he looks like Ray Romano. Oh, I don't know if that's a compliment. It's kind of an insult. Murph looks like Ray Romano. (laughs) No, no, no. no. Murph looks like Potsy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Morty. (laughs) We do know somebody that looks like Ray Romano. My brother. Oh, he's Danny! Got the look. Holy oh, yeah. shit! He's got the Ray Romano look. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. Ray Romano. Ray Romano look. That is not what you would call a handsome man. Oh, I know there was a Ray Romano look out there. Oh. All right, well, he writes, spoiler alert. Don't read ahead if you haven't heard the show yet. My memory on this album is having to hear it every single morning on the way to high school in my sister's car. She'd always yell out the South Tallahassee part because we live in Florida, albeit a four-hour drive from Tallahassee. She thought she was so cool. She was, in fact, not cool. (laughs) And the ride to school was daily torture having to sit through this album. I'm not surprised to hear Joe and Steven say that they were struggling with heroin and cocaine at the time this album was recorded, because like a lot of 70s records, it sounds like heroin and cocaine. And to further complicate my relationship with Sonny uh, Pooney's musical taste, I've sided with him on the Aerosmith is grossly overrated band, and I also agree with this list of meh bands that he mentioned. 
but I totally disagree with him that his take that the testament version of nobody's fault sucks. Can't wait for the next Patreon pick. Dude, Are oh we boy. talking about testament on this show now? Is that what we're doing? No. No, we're disagreeing about oh. Testament on this show. For Why are we talking? I don't want to talk about Testament on the show <laughs> ever. Philosophical discussion on Testament. Stop, Stop it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Over on our Instagram page, Aussie V24, Swee 316, and Ant Creek 22. Between the three of them, great album. One of those classic albums I wore out when I was young. Definitely my top 10 in my catalog. Fans of the album, I guess. That's right. Um, Over on YouTube, I'm just going to read Stephen Holden's uh, comment. He writes, okay, does Mr. P actually like music? That's my favorite favorite question. Meh. Meh. Yeah, he doesn't even like music. Yeah. You you guys are so right. Like, this album just got a lot of, like, not real analysis, but more or less, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah it's pretty I mean, good. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, love it. Yeah, because I mean, it just it just is what it is. It's just straight up rock. And if it's not yeah. your thing, that you didn't like it. But general, yeah, there's no like hard hitting analysis. It's just a simple record. So yeah, yeah. Well, over to you guys, Sonny. You got an email there? All right. So this email, I don't know how I'm going to pronounce this name. What Thanis Akaridis? That's our buddy Thanis Akratides. Okay, uh, Akratides, whatever. <laughs> um, it says, "Boys, you reignited my love for '70s Aerosmith. Forgot how, forgot how good they were then. Not as big as fan of their '80s stuff. I enjoy it, but the '70s stuff is far superior." Thanis, um, get yourself yeah. better music. No, nope, Thanis is right. 80s Aerosmith is very lame, the but that's Greek okay. Thunder from Down Under. That's him. And he, we mentioned the other day, his band, he's got a band called Frozen Tears. Yep. They did a, a, a very good version of Come On and Love Me. You can find yeah. it on YouTube. Yeah, very cool. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then we got one other email from Rod Gomond. He says, under in the dictionary, under Gaunt, because apparently we talked about the word gaunt last episode. In the dictionary under gaunt, it should be a picture of Sonny's brain. <laughs> he should never be allowed to rate anything again. <laughs> this album is a classic beyond all. And you guys, Tom and Zeus, are fantastic. But Sonny should, oh. apologi- should apologize to God that the ears <laughs> he was given are not being used the correct way. Thank you. Rod in Arizona formerly of Pawtucket, and an old listener of WAAF in Boston. Oh, somebody from the bucket was catching WAF all the way there? Wow. That is awesome. Great stuff, Rod. And, you know, Sonny does the best that he can do. You know, we, we, need, we need him on the show to bring this kind of energy, negative energy to the show, which I'm, right. sure that, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of that coming. Oh, yeah. This one. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I know. I know where Sonny stands on DLR Van Halen. So we'll see. Really? Oh, yeah. All right. Yep. Yep. And that's what we got for Rock's feedback this month. All right. We're going to take a little break and we'll be right back. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. 
Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. So we turn to Tom. And his pick this month, and he picks Van Halen's Fair Warning, what we usually do at this point. We each talk about how we got into the album. And, Tom, this is your pick. Why don't you lead us off? Okay. So, Fair Warning came out in 1981. 1981, for me, was, other than when I first discovered Kiss, 1981 was arguably the most definitive (laughs) informative year in my life as a music fan. It's when MTV started and I was eight years old. My sister at the time was 12 and I've already done Billy Squire. Don't say no from 81 fair warnings. There's probably about six or seven albums that are at the core of my music, like rock fan development. Fair warnings. One of them There's I got a bunch more that we'll probably eventually get to, but I remember when MTV first started, there were no real videos. A lot of the videos were concert footage clips. And I remember that from early Def Leppard, early Rush, and of course, early Van Halen. And I remember seeing the clips from the forum in 1981. And they were, it was the same concert. You can watch it on YouTube. And it was the songs from Fair Warning. And it, the, the one that sticks out specifically in my head was when I first saw the, the clip on MTV of So This Is Love. And I knew nothing about Van Halen. So this is their fourth album. I had never heard a single song from Van Halen before Fair Warning came out. And I remember watching this video and being like, 
this is like, inc- like, look at the crowd. Look at like the singer, like jumping around. Look at the guitarist, like, like the energy, like the lights and the, cr- like I had never seen anything like that before because of course MTV was brand new. I'd never been to a concert. There was no DVDs or VHS. So I was like, not just seeing a music video, I was seeing a concert of a band that was just to this day is still like so charismatic and energetic. And it just pulled me, it just pulled me right in. And I remember going to our, my, our local record shop for the people in the new England area, strawberries records and tapes was huge. I remember begging to get the fair warning cassette just because I wanted to hear. So this is love. And I knew a little bit about unchained and hear about it later. Cause those were the other videos from that concert. And that just began my love affair with classic, classic Van Halen. And I ended up going backwards to the catalog, but fair warning is ground zero for me, for my love of Van Halen and just classic, like guitar, hard rock, not metal, not hair metal, kind of straddling the lines of both. Uh, and I've been sitting on fair warning for a long time since we started ARC. So kind of excited to see what we got going on with this one. Was that on McGrath Highway? <laughs> that strawberries yep, in Memphis? That's, ex- that's exactly the one. Yep. I know it. Yep. I know. Yep. Yep. Sonny. Yeah. For me, I'm an MTV kid, but I don't get into music till 84. Um, there's only two. There's only me and my brother, and I'm the oldest. So there wasn't anybody to kind of hand off stuff for me to me. I was the one doing the brainwashing, I guess is the way to put it. So by the time 84 comes around, you're seeing jump Panama. And I was interested just because it was on MTV. It was catchy stuff. The guitar player was bananas, right? And all those guitar heroes were coming out of the eighties. Anyway, I didn't know a lot about Van Halen. I was kind of off and on listening to it. Wasn't super into uh, the 1984 album, you know, Jump of Panama were okay. Um, I was more into VOA, Sammy Hagar, and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff because I was a, a Bay Area kid, and these guys were an L.A. band. So, you know, there's always that uh, animosity between L.A. and the Bay Area. I didn't get Fair Warning or any of the older Van Halen albums until Eat em and Smile comes out. So oh, now... Wow. Wow. Eat em and Smile and 5150s out there. I'm listening to kind of new Van Halen going, all right, this is the new kind of Sammy Van Halen. I get 1984. I'm like, oh, this album's pretty damn good. And then I go backwards and listen to all the Van Halen stuff. So I don't probably get this album till, I don't know, late 80s because you start hearing about Eddie Van Halen's like God and everybody's, you know, uh, influenced by him and blah, blah, blah. You don't know that when you're watching Jump. Like you have no idea, right? So um, that's kind of how I got into the album. Then I ended up obviously buying all the Van Hill albums because reality is if you're a rock fan and you love melodic hard rock, if you don't have the first six Van Hill albums, what are you doing? Like you mm-hmm. need to get the fixed first six. I mean, you know, whether you're a Hagar fan or whether you like Van Hagar better or not, um, those first six Van Halen albums are like not having the first six Kiss albums. I mean, it's mm-hmm. ridiculous to be honest. Yep. Yep. So that's kind of how I got into uh, Fair Warning. Okay. Zeus. So uh, like Tom, I MTV kid, uh, I caught those videos. Uh, I never caught hear about it later, but I did see Unchained. And so this is love. And older brother, older cousins, I knew of Van Halen. And I liked the music. Didn't really get into like buying Van Halen stuff. Until 1984, and then just started going backwards from there. 
And by the time I'm in college, I have everything. I mean, again, like I agree 100% with Sonny. If you're into this music, how do you not have all the Van Halen albums? So, yeah, I went back and bought them. I listened to it. Um, Didn't really play it that much, I'll be honest with you, until you picked this. So a lot of the songs sounded like, oh, I kind of remember that. And uh, it'll be interesting to discuss. But, yeah. Uh, I was uh, around the same time as you, Tom. I got into it with from that those MTV videos. I just think 1981 for me, not even just nostalgia, but to, to that to me was like such a perfect era of hard rock. It was it was you were getting away from like like the 70s and it wasn't Black Sabbath or Judas Priest or Maiden and it wasn't yet Motley Crue and Poison. It was like hard rock, but like it was like Def Leppard high and dry. It was ACDC back in black and flows about to rock. It was fair warning. It was women. In, it was like hard rock, but like melody kind of like still like I, I just, and it, it's, it's albums. I st- and then you even had bands like journey and foreigner and that kind of stuff. I think to me, it's, it it's such a, such a perfect era of, of hard rock for me personally. And I, I love talking about these albums. And plus it's just the, the nostalgia overload between MTV and hitting all the record stores. It's just, I love talking about this era. Yeah, and I like the fact that we all just bought music or got into music because we liked it. Yep. It wasn't the internet. There wasn't a fucking divide. Like, oh, you can't like that. That's thrash. Exactly. Or you can't like that because that's too pop. Yep. All oh, these guys are posers. Like, yep. if you liked it, that was it. It was good enough. It was good enough music for you. That's the yep. only reason. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and Tom, you were young, but we kind of talk about it all the time. Like, think about the music that's coming out in 81. What's come out in 85? Yeah. What's come out in 89? Mm-hmm. What's come out in 93? What's come out in 97? Like, yep. depending on how old you are, your musical taste is completely different. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah, that, you're right. Like, that three to four year window changes so dramatically mm-hmm. that it, 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 it depends. Right. We, we talk about this a lot on ARC. It's like where you were at the time. You know, like even yeah. Sonny, like like Sonny, like even your story about how you discovered David Lee Roth, Van Halen was like it. it and, and based on where you live, and like you said, you, you you know, having an older brother or not having any older siblings, or you know, not yeah. having any siblings or MTV influence, it's it really does steer your your musical kind of fandom. Yeah, I, the only thing I would just add to that is like after the nineties, it changed. It just oh, I never, agree. The, no, no one's like, oh, oh, you must be into the the 2008 era or right. oh, yeah. 2003, <laughs> like it's for true. us, hard rock kind of like, it's, yep. it's true. Th- yeah. Yep. So uh fair warning. We next go to the album cover. Oof. Huh. Oh, oh boy. Uh Yeah. This is quite a cover. It is. I mean, it kind of gives you a taste of what you're about to listen to. Um, just speaking in terms of like the, the color scheme is just dirty, grimy, nasty. It's all black and brown and, and gray and, and just grungy. The imagery comes from a painting by an artist named William Kurlek. It's called the maze. Um, and it was painted while this guy was in a mental hospital over in the UK. And the, the album cover, the front and the back of the album cover are sections of a larger painting, as I mentioned, called a maze. And if you go online, if you go onto Wikipedia and search for it, I mean, I'm not an art critic or anything, but it is one of the most stunning things you've ever seen. Again, it was, it, it, he describes it as a painting about the inside of his skull. 
and what was going on in his life and the abuse that he suffered as a child and, you know, pretty much why he was in a mental hospital and the full painting is, it's like a, it's like a cross section of like a skull, which like with like little compartments dictating different portions of his life. Um, it's really like disturbing and it's like, it, it's so not Van Halen. I mean, you think of like the other album covers and their other music and their other themes about, you know, partying and beautiful girls and everybody wants some. And then you get this, you're like, what the fuck? And I remember seeing like the, the actual proper cover and the, the image that sticks out to me is the kid getting his face punched in with the other kid, like with the other, with the other kid pointing at it, you know, it's just, the artwork is just so grimy and you know, it, it, you flip it over and there's like a kid like strapped to like a conveyor belt. And it's just like, what the hell happened to Van Halen? Yeah. For me. So the pictures I've got most of them figured out. There's one picture I can't figure out. So I need your help with this. Okay. So on the front. Okay. Upper left homies banging his head against the wall. We've all done that. Um, we probably all done the, the one that's on the upper right being some shit, the shit out of this. Kid. Yep. I've also done the pointing. Look, he's getting shit beat out of him. All right, lower left, he's kicking somebody out of the house or out of the door. So you don't always see that on the album cover, but if you look at the painting, yep. the painting is actually on the album cover. You see the guy kicking, but you don't really see the guy falling out of the door. So that's yep. actually kicking out of the door. Yep. All right, so on the back, upper right, we got the guy about to become a souvenir penny. Yeah. Right? So that's, that's easy. <laughs> yep. On the bottom right, so what he's doing there is in the painting, I don't know if you can see it on uh, on your album cover. It depends on what album you got. But on the painting, the kid is actually holding a bloody knife. And yes. he has cut off the skin yes. off of his left arm. And yep. he's comparing his skeleton to the skeleton that's in on the album cover. So that's, that's yeah. a little interesting. Yeah. Yep. The picture I can't figure out is the back left. Okay. Is that a telescope? There's a bunch of people watching something, but I can't tell what it is. And I couldn't tell from the painting either. Okay. There is actually. Is that a telescope? On, if you go on Wikipedia. So th there's a thing right here that that's called the test tube panel. And I it says there are many doctors probing a human subject inside of a test tube. And then it says right here, Kurlick believes that science could provide a cure-all for troubles, but at the same time, he found the doctor's constant watching over him was unpleasant. So he says, above the half-naked subject in the test tube is a snake. It's just, This guy was definitely disturbed, but obviously yeah. brilliant, but, he, but brilliant as an artist. Um, to me, uh, again, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no art critic, but the fact that somebody so disturbed and so mentally abused could put this type of art together is just to me stunning but like i said earlier the fact that van halen chose this as the album yeah. cover is like what the fuck zeus i want to get your take on the picture of the actual band in the jacket or in the oh yeah album. yeah yeah we'll talk about that too that looks like four separate pictures put together to me yeah the inside headshots it, of it everybody it There's, is if that's not sears from michael anthony there <laughs> I don't yeah. know what that is. Look at that fucking headshot. Dude, Alex kind of looks like a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with that big hoop. <laughs> she looks like the the, the girl soccer looks, soccer coach. It kind of looks like <laughs> Joe from Facts of Life. 
<laughs> the timing's right. I think. Yeah, that's true. It's 81. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just not. And David Lee Roth looks like Blair. <laughs> Michael Anthony looks like Natalie. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> we, Eddie Van Halen looks like Mrs. Garrett. There you go. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> wow oh jeez that's we, just great yeah as far as the cover goes i never i always like you know i knew that it was like the brown covered album me too and i yeah, never really that. sat there and looked at it all the way through like until really um you know recently then i'm like oh that's somebody beating the shit out of somebody on the front because yeah. it's all just like kind of like mushmash shit together. So you don't really pick up on it. Yep. Um, because of the color schemes, but whatever. It's interesting. At least I'll give them that. I think the other thing too, about album covers and we're talking about this, like in 1981, like, like there was no album cover analysis. You, you, you had no idea what the hell this was. We, we didn't know who William Kerlick is or the painting called the mate. You just looked at it and you'd be like, what the fuck is this? This is who painted this. It's so, but then the, then the other side of the inside jacket cover, it's got that spray painted quote, you know, with the little Van Halen logo and the broken, you know, the cracked wall and like the window and stuff. It's just, it's just so grimy and dirty. And it's just, I don't know. It, it's definitely unique for Van Halen. Yeah. Um, oh, the other thing, too, the other thing too, real quick, I hate, they pulled, they pulled a kiss. And the album tracks on the back are not in the order that they are on the album. I have the vinyl and the albums, the the track listing is not the track listing that they appear on the album. Oh, yeah, because it goes. So this is love. Push comes Push to comes shove. To shove yep. swing. Oh, yeah, they're wrong. Yeah. The first one's right. And the yep. last two are right. The CD is correct. The CD. Yep. Zeus is holding up the, the CD. The remastered yep. CD yep. is correct. Yeah. Yep. Another thing, too, I noticed about this, and I guess this is Sonny getting into my brain with stupid little minutia. Um, well, that's nice. <laughs> that's a compliment. Three di- three different forms of punctuation. A question mark, an exclamation point, and quotation marks. <laughs> this is what my life has been reduced to right now. Fascinating. Exactly. Yeah. You're not going to get do- that kind of hard-hitting analysis anywhere else. I think we did a Kiss episode on shit like that before. Favorite punctuation songs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, anyways. All right. Let's get to some of the facts. Uh, Van Halen's Fair Warning came out April 29th, 1981. The album was produced by Ted Templeman. Uh, if you know Van Halen, you know he produced all their albums, and he's famous for that. The album went to number five on U.S. Billboard's 200. It's double platinum, and it's the least-selling David Lee Roth Van Halen album. Ooh, what a tragedy. Oh, that is such a crime. Yeah, crime. I, I, I'm like, hmm, really? And then I look back at the albums. I'm like, Diver Down is not the least, but all right. But remember, though, Diver Down had the the constant, endless playing of the Pretty Woman video. Oh, oh. No, I know. I'm just saying, but that 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 was a oh. darling that song. And you think about it. Well, I mean, we'll get into a fair warning. Is a well, well, I'll save until we get to the tracks. But go ahead. No, that's all I got. Okay. No, and I was going to say. I mean, if you're a Van Halen fan or if you're a music fan, like the three of us are doing, talking about all this nerding out. 
the the backstory of Fair Warning was pretty much the reason this album is so dark and gloomy and nasty. Is this is when Eddie Van Halen kind of hated being in the band and actually thought of leaving the band. Um, he was getting frustrated with with different things involving actual Ted Templeman and David Lee Roth. Um, and he says, quote, on the whole, I was angry, frustrated and loose. And that's why the anger and all the unhappiness came, comes through in a lot of these songs, giving it kind of like a really dark and kind of sleazy tone, uh, which if you're a Van Halen fan, you know that this is not any of those other albums that you've heard before. There's no fun, beautiful girls dance the night away. That's none of that's on this album. With that, let's get to the opening track. Here we go. Okay, let's get this part out of the way. It's 1981, and I'm sure anybody who is listening to this album is listening to Eddie's guitar tone and going, what the fuck? Right? Like, the guitar tone is outstanding. It's crunchy. It's dark. It's everything you would want in an electric guitar player. Um, and his guitar solos are all bananas. Like there's nothing touching the guitar solos. So there's a reason why Eddie Van Halen is who he is. Uh, rumor is that, uh, David saw, you know, the, the poverty in Haiti. And that's what attributed to some of the lyrics. I kind of like the way the song starts, you know, you got kind of that muscle riff. You got the muscle tapping going on. But my problem is the song's almost a downer, like for a party band. To start with a song that's so serious, like the pace is just kind of slow to me. I, I know it's not super slow, but you speed this thing up about 33% like I did on, uh, uh, I did it myself the other day on Audacity. It sounds a lot better faster, to be honest. I don't love the chorus. I do like the breakdown that's about three and a half minutes in. So for a party band to start with this song, it's not exactly a banger to me. Oh, my God. I, this is where we're starting out. That mean street is not a banger. It okay. is not a banger. And if you say if, it is, you're a liar. Okay. Oh, you're right. I'm a liar. All right. Guys, see you later. I'm a li- I'm going to lie for the next uh, two hours right now. Uh, I, Sonny, I'll give you this. If you are comparing this to party rock Van Halen, you're, you're right. You're right. 
but I don't look at any of this stuff in comparison to anything. I just look at the song. And to me, this is, I hate saying that anything is the best because it's kind of impossible to do that. But this is arguably one of the greatest Eddie Van Halen riffs ever, ever. I don't even care if you like this album, if you like this song. I don't even care if you don't like Van Halen. When he does that tapping intro and then goes into the main riff with nothing but the guitar, that is the stuff of early 80s hard rock right there. And Sonny, you said that tone, nobody was doing this kind of tone, that vicious crunch, that distortion. And then right, and then you, and then all of a sudden the band kicks in. And to me, that groove is, is just undeniable. I mean, what Alex Van Halen is doing with those drums and those cymbals and keeping that groove going. And then as soon as David Lee Roth gets in at night, I walk these stinking streets right off the bat. You know that this album is just nasty. The title of the song, the way, the way that David is singing, it's, it's just grimy. It's aggressive. It's heavy. I don't like the chorus. I think the chorus kind of feels like it was kind of shoehorned into the song. It doesn't, it doesn't really jive, which is rare for a Van Halen kind of gang vocal chorus. I love the Brit, the breakdown. I think the breakdown is really cool when he starts saying fair warning, you know, that strike that poor boy down. I think it's, and then, then it goes right into a solo. Ah, I mean, this is just, this song is absolutely one of the great Van Halen songs. Is it a party song? No, it's a downer. The lyrics are terrible. It's depressing. It's probably, not what you want to hear from Van Halen. That being said, the band is on point on this one. All right. Uh, all the tracks are credited to all four members. Um, That's unique. Yeah. Eddie Van Halen. Edward. Oh, yeah. When did he start becoming Edward? Did that happen after he passed away? I, I, nah, I don't people know. People been doing that. For I a never, while. ever, ever referred to him as Edward. It sounds because you guys. Yeah, that's because you know normal people. <laughs> it's all fucking snooty, pretentious people that go Edward Van Halen. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I know normal people. I mean, look, I'm doing this show. The three of us. I don't know if any of us are normal, but I, but I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it, Alex Van Halen, uh, David Lee Roth, and uh, Mark Anthony, as uh, Ace's girlfriend would call him. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> we love Mark Anthony. It's really good. Oh, God. They'll be performing at my friend Eddie's party, not Edward's. Yeah, she, again, she said it was Eddie Trunk's birthday party. <laughs> An idiot. Anyways, go ahead, Zeus. Who, Lockjaw? <laughs> Somebody <laughs> called her. Uh, anyway. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it was the third single. It was only released in Europe. Uh, I just put, like, the guitar almost sounds like well, that can't be a guitar. That's a keyboard, right? That's right. not a guitar. It's just so like, how the hell do you make that sound? It has to be like uh, some sort of synth. No, no, no. It's him playing. Uh, I just wrote, it's just a typical great Eddie riff. What can you say? The solo's great. The subject matter seems serious. It's not partying. And then I just love the breakdown bridge. Fair warning. I love when people put an album title in a song. Yep. And, uh, the whole strike the, that poor boy down and then kind of going into a little bit of an outro there uh, I like the song it is not a very uh, as you explained Tom uh, song that you would expect from Van Halen but I like that the band will change things up from once in a while so yeah. uh, let's go to track number two 
dirty movies. All right. So, you know, the guitar sounds at the beginning, super weird, but cool. The groove that Alex is setting down is awesome. I like that the song kicks in about 45 seconds in. This whole thing that Dave's doing about the most popular girl in school is now doing porn, and he's got that kind of kitschy sense of humor, the movie theater feel with the whole take it off, take it all off, and the clapping. That's all Dave Lee Roth, and all of that is fine. I thought the clapping thing went a little long. <laughs> I thought that Eddie's fills and guitar sounds and melodies and all the stuff he's doing during the courses are actually a hundred times, hundred percent better than the actual chorus. And then you got another mid-tempo songs. That's not what I would call peppy. So I would think that Mark Anthony is sitting in the corner going, are we supposed to be a party band? Like what the hell is going on here? Did you purposely right? call him Mark yeah. Anthony? I purpose, now I want to call everybody Mark Anthony. Call I'm not calling him Michael Anthony anymore. I'm going to keep calling him Mark Anthony, and I'm going to keep calling him Ted Temple, uh, Templeton. I'm going to start yeah. calling him Terry Pendleton. <laughs> Terry Pendleton. Yeah. And Gary Pettis as well. I throw him in. So it's just you got back-to-back songs that I guess if you are – a super duper Van Halen fan, you're just happy that there are two great songs that Eddie had a hand in writing. To me, I am more of a Van Hagar fan than I am a Van Halen, David Lee Roth fan. So to me, I like the party Van Halen. I don't mm-hmm. need anything else out of my Van Halen. And these two songs don't come off party to me. So if I did not know who Van Halen was besides this, I would have never got to the third song if this is the only album I'd ever heard. <laughs> this is why I love ARC. Uh, yeah, dirt, so dirty movies. Um, this is the thing I love about Van Halen in general, and the thing I actually love about this album specifically as we continue through it. I love the intro. I love the. I, I can't think of a word to describe him. I always, anytime Eddie does those sounds at the beginning, to me it always sounds like the guitar is like sparkling, like it just. It's kind of like this real like crystal. It's kind of hard to explain. But then I love how it drops into like this slow stomp. And I want to say this now. I didn't say it during Mean Street. Alex Van Halen and Michael Anthony on this album are absolutely out of this fucking world with the rhythms that they are carrying through each song. And, you know, as I'm listening to this album, any any anytime you're in a band with Eddie Van Halen, you're going to be completely overshadowed. And I feel like Alex Van Halen is so fucking amazing as a drummer that it's impossible to stand out. It kind of reminds me I'm I'm a big Rush nerd. It's like Alex Lifeson is like so underrated because of course he is. He's in a band with Neil Peart, so how can he not like it when you're in a band with a legendary one of a kind generational icon, it's hard to like have anybody talk about you. I just want to get that out there because just waving the flag for Alex Van Halen, because I think this song, I, I think the verses in this song are awesome. I love the, the the groove and the kind of the sleazy vibe. The bridge is kind of a little bit weak, but Sonny, I'm going to disagree with you. It's not going to be the last time. I actually love the gang chorus on this. I actually really love the tone of Michael and Eddie's like background vocals. I think it sounds awesome. And then of course the breakdown with, you know, remember this girl used to be prom queen and then take it off and the clapping. I, I think it's it's a super deep cut. And I think that's one of the things I really like about Fair Warning is it's not overplayed like the first two albums. 
you know, a lot of these songs are kind of special, quote unquote, is that you're never going to hear dirty movies anywhere unless you put it on yourself. So, uh, yeah, it's a unique track, but I, 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 I dig it. Dirty movies. So I, I just wrote, it has like a wicked eighties type intro. Can't describe it, but I think of in the eighties when I hear that intro, mm-hmm. in addition to that, it almost takes a minute to get to the main riff, which I don't know. There's nothing to me. It's not nothing interesting. Whatever he's fucking doing the first minute, just get to the fucking song. But anyways, uh, the the song itself, I, I, this is the first song that I really started noticing all the David Lee Roth ticks. Oh God, <laughs> what wicked, wicked. <laughs> I mean, in between, like, it's like he's doing, like, fills of ticks. And and this is the first time I really picked up on it. But I love the chorus on this and the backing vocals. Yep. Actually, I think it's really good. <laughs> I, I thought that uh, the, uh, the solo was a little understated. Um, and here's the thing. I, I disagree with you guys with the take it off. That second take it off is the most effeminate guy take it off I think I've ever heard. It sounds like Jack Torse from the Jerky Boy. Take it off. See, take I actually, it off. See, it I actually like dis- wicked off. Of, I actually I actually think it's the opposite. I think it, I think it actually sounds like a guy who's angrily yelling at a woman to take it off. <laughs> Seriously. Hello, is this Crisal? Take, take it off. It sounds like the, like the guy that answers the phone from that rat song. Hello. Hello, take it <laughs> off. Just I, I don't know. It doesn't really work for me that much. Um I, I I'm like I thought the music sounded and the vocals and the verses sounded a little bit familiar. Mike, is that sound a little bit like Rod Stewart's infatuation? Like, yeah, that's an upbeat song. That doesn't sound. Yeah, if you slow it down, that's the point. Okay, but I like the song and I love the fucking chorus. I just there's something about it that sounds so full when they get the backing. Like you, it doesn't like. It's not like a hollow backing call, like a callback. It's solid and thick. And uh, I think that's uh, Mark Anthony that's doing most of that. So I think one of I think it's all his Latin singing (laughs) maybe helps him out. I do have to say one of the worst parts of this, maybe one of the worst parts of anything we've ever done in the history of ARC is at the very, very end when David Lee Roth goes lights, camera, (laughs) action. I'm like, oh, that is that should have been edited out. It was uh, that's so bad. <laughs> that's so this bad. This came out before action, not words, right? Yes, it did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. All you sinners out there, swing.
sinner's swing. Get, 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 get out and push. All right. Uh, blues type riff. Alex, it's drums on this song. It's absolutely wild. The guitar solo is fucking crazy. The song's a little peppier. I like it. It's a little bouncier. Love the chorus. This is the type of song that you kind of get now. All right. Sunset Strip is going to end up being basically this song from 86 to probably 90. Everybody coming from the Sunset Strip is trying to rewrite this type of almost just amount or right amount of dirty type song without getting too crazy kind of thing. Um, Overall, I think it's much better than the first two songs. And I will just say, I'll eat my fingers, want my iron in that fire is just a cooler way to say log in your fireplace. <laughs> All right, Sinner Swing. So I like what we're doing here. We're starting off, you know, a, a, a tempo change here. Van Halen does this kind of stuff so well. Like, I know everybody loves the songs, you know, like Hot for Teacher and like those those fast songs. I do, too. But I, I, again, another super deep cut here. A song you're never going to hear. It's never going to be played live or on a compilation or anything. I love how it starts out right away, right off the bat with the guitar and, and Alex just crushing it. And then as David like singing, it's kind of just the drums with a little bit of the guitar fill. And then the whole band kicks in when the whole band kicks in and you kind of get that call and answer. You get that Michael Anthony backing vocal. He does like an inc- Eddie comes in with an incredible solo. The chorus is kind of weird. Uh, the working title for the song was called Get Out and Push. And they they, they kind of say that like, a you know, the, the push stuff like a thousand times. I, I think it's a killer track. And again, I think the same thing with Dirty Movies. It's not overplayed. It's not beaten into the ground. You know, it's not running with the devil or ain't talking about love, both which are legendary Van Halen songs. I think I think it's great. I, I like you got three songs doing three different things to kick off the album for me. Sinner Swing exclamation point. <laughs> I'm like sinners swing. <laughs> I had to put more feeling into it. Uh, it's like a precursor for a hot for teacher. Uh, and, and spoiler alert: it's way better than hot for teacher. Oh hell no! It's not. Oh, uh, uh, it's not even close, dude. I'm hung up. Are you fucking kidding me? It's not even. You're not the only one that has strong bad takes on this show, Sonny. Oh I can my do it. god, dude. Hot for Teacher's terrible. The only reason that song's popular is because of the video. Go ahead, Zeus. I also this I knew this like the the melody of it is very familiar. Yeah. And I'm like, why do I know this? It's from a fucking I'm like, it's an Elvis song. I really? Know yeah. Okay. It's, and it's um it's from a uh the melody. It just it works. It's a call a song called Meanest Girl in Town. It's off his girl happy fucking soundtrack. We gotta win this race. <laughs> in the middle, there's a one. There's a couple good rocking songs in there. <laughs> Meanest girl in town is exactly like the melody follows this exactly. Um, but anyways, I like all the backing call the vocals again in the pre-chorus and then the, the the stuttering. That's so stupid. I remember the first time I heard that, like, what's happening there? Oh, my uh, God. The whole fucking Mr. Tipton there. Tipton. And then you got a blistering Eddie solo, which you kind of expect. I actually like the song. It's fun. And this is what I would expect 
to find on a Van Halen album. So, all right, let's go to the last track on the album, side one. intro into a dark groove to me this whole uh the feel of this song is a little more melodic almost as if this is the precursor to what van hagar becomes later this could have been a sammy era song i can tell you that baby i don't wanna wouldn't have been the backing core vocals if sammy was in charge i could tell you that um and you know david basically telling his girlfriend look other women throw themselves at me so you got to just kind of put up with it you know i i think that's great the pre-chorus and chorus meh i like the verses but the pre-chorus and chorus are meh so we got four songs so far none of these four songs are going to put them on the radio so how the fuck does this album get to top five MTV. well here's the four so here's the four albums it couldn't beat just in case you were wondering yes number four on that day paradise theater sticks terrible Number three, Dirty D's Done Dirt Cheap, ACDC. Nah. Number two, High, Fide- High Infidelity, Ario Speedwagon. Terrible. Number one, Mistaken Identity, Kim Carnes. Terrible. This thing went to number five on name recognition only. These first four songs did not take this album to number five. I'm sorry. It's There's a reason this is the least selling album they have. Because these first four songs don't exactly knock it out of the park. Sorry. I say this all the time. This is why I love this show. I don't want people to agree with me. And that's where Sonny comes in. Um, I will definitely agree with you. This is, for, it's the fourth song on the album. And it's the, it's, it's the first one that really shows a, a, a melody, a harmony, kind of a little bit of an upbeat kind of fun song, something that maybe could have been on Van Halen too, maybe, you know what I mean? Um, but then again, of course, I have to strongly disagree with you. This is absolutely one of my favorite Van Halen choruses 
I love the gang vocals. I love the singing. I, I love the fact that, look, David Lee Roth is not a great singer. No one's going to tell you that he is. On, on the albums, he sounds fun and cool. Live, he's horrendous. If you watch those YouTube videos of them at the Coliseum in 81, he's fucking, it's like Vince Neil. It's terrible. But I like how a lot of these choruses, the gang jumps in. He's not really singing the choruses by himself. It's it's You get that Michael Anthony, Eddie Van Halen, that, that backing harmony. Um, I love the verses in here. I love the tone of Eddie's guitar. It's a lot different. It's super mel- melodic, super harmonic, very, very uh, cool, like breakdown. I, I I love the breakdown and then the solo. Um, but you're right. I could see this being a Van Hagar song. Uh, and this was one of those that made it onto those MTV from what from the Coliseum, the 81 clips. Um, I, I love this song. The one thing I will say about this, we 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 talk about this a lot on ARC, or at least I do. Is the track the track listing for this album? Is so far is terrible. You open up with Mean Street, which I think is a killer opener with a classic riff, and then you go into like dirty movies and Sinner Swings, two songs I like, but just the the it's bad track listing for this album, in my opinion. All right, hear about it later. Uh, it was the fourth single. I'm like, this is pop Van Halen, which I'm yes. kind of like yep. changes everything up on this album. Um, the chorus sounds, I'm like, the chorus sounds so familiar. I'm like thinking, is this like something from a kiss song that I can think of? Yes. Uh, but I, I'm like thinking it's gotta be something from one of those like box sets, demos that they did song that I'm thinking like, was it on creatures? I, I can't put it. I, 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 I couldn't figure it out. It but sounds it familiar. Sounds, yeah, yeah, it yeah. does. Yep. Um, and I just put another typical Eddie solo. I like it. It's a good pop song. I think. And uh, there's a video, and this is the first of the videos. And these are all the videos from, I think, Oakland in 81. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Who wants to start? All right. So I'll start. So you got, uh, if you've never seen the video, you need to go check it out. It's three songs. We'll most likely talk about all three songs. But in this video, Eddie's got the striped shirt with the striped socks, which is interesting. Mark Anthony, for some reason, is wearing a jumpsuit. I don't know why. You get the unison thrust that you get every once in a while. They sound great. EVH is going off. Dude, I'm sorry. David's package was distracting. Like the <laughs> the socks that are stuffed into the package. And then the gymnastics and the high kicks and, you know, the jungle sounds. And then he was trying oddly to stay in the pictures. Eddie was doing his solo, doing these weird things because he doesn't want Eddie to have his own spotlight. It, it was odd. These are the videos we said at the beginning of the episode. This is what got me into Van Halen. But you're right. What Michael Anthony and Eddie Van Halen are wearing, the, the, the those are layovers from like the new, like the punk new wave, or, or that's like early new wave shit. Yeah. Like, Eddie, what do you do? You look like you're wearing like a Where's Waldo <laughs> outfit with the fucking red and white stripe. Like, what is it? Michael Anthony's got the Michael Myers fucking jumpsuit on. Like, <laughs> like what? Is, I, he has a name tag that yes, needs to be like, on. The, he picks it up for his friend working at the oil change store. Yeah, or it's, whatever. it's it's such a weird look. It's like it's so like go back and look at like what like ACDC was wearing or Def Leppard. Like they, they Van Halen's wearing like costumes. It's like it was it's so odd because it doesn't fit the type of music. I think David Lee Roth looks incredible. First of all, because he's blonde and he's got like that wicked, super wild mane of hair, no shirt. I mean, like fucking rock star 
like hundred percent. The guy can't sing to a he can't sing to a fucking garden hose though in the, on these live performances. It's it's so bad. It's it's uh, all he has is the jumping in the friggin' pants with the nuts hanging out. That's about it. But I think the band looks great. The the only thing I was thinking of when I look at that, I feel like that stage is so huge, and there's like nothing going on. There's no lights. It's like so dark. Like you think now, like with like pyro and lights and like there's nothing. There's just a few spotlights. It's like the whole band's in the dark. It's I don't know. It's kind of weird. Yeah. What do you call what is it called? It's not the same like when you have like a male camel toe. <laughs> like it's like a, a moose. Bulge? <laughs> oh it's moose like a, moose. The hickory moose? nuts. What a yeah. moose knuckle? No, isn't that he a, a wild hickory nuts? You're so true, Sonny. Yeah. He is like balls. He's like it's not a dick. It's like a <laughs> ball sack. It's like his ball. The balls are very well defined. It's not like a, that. Sh- <laughs> There's no shaft. There's no shack photo of oh. him in that SI coming oh, out of the pool. Coming out of the water. It looks like he's got a fucking <laughs> Charleston chew hanging out of his shorts. <laughs> the, the, fucking, the fucking bulge that goes down Shaq's leg goes all the way down his leg. But like this is just like a ball sack. It's not like a dick thing that you can kind of like trace down. It's just wicked distracting. Yeah, Eddie looks like a house is gonna land on him. He looks like when the wicked witch's legs crumble underneath the tree. Yes! Socks. Perfect. Like, like where where the fuck did he get like, hey, this is a good look for me? When did that ever become a good look? It's just silly. Maybe he's trying to do like a fucking like Angus ripoff or something like. Let me wear a school kid's stupid outfit yeah, it's, or something. It's weird. Yeah, I I, I don't know, but uh, Michael Anthony, he just looks like somebody like that. Like that David Coverdale would throw out of his band. Like, hey, we've been doing this English blues shit. I need to hit big in the U.S. You fatty shorty with the fucking beard. We ain't making it big in the U.S. with your fucking looks. We need better looking people. Get the fuck out. Like he looks like he shouldn't be there. The other thing too, have you ever seen a band where all they do is they're all smiling. They're constantly smiling. Yeah. And like, like like that is a think there is no other band that I can think of. Where the lead guitar, the the lead guitar player, or the lead guitar player, the bass player, and of course, they're all they all just look like they're like everybody just told the funniest joke in the world. Yeah, they're just it's amazing, and it's and it's funny because the music doesn't necessarily match that. I mean, the early Van Halen records it does, like Sonny said, like the party stuff. I just found that fascinating watching these videos. They're all just having like the time of their lives as they should. They fucking. I Van always, I think when you say that, I always think of him when they cut to the like keyboard solo and jump and he's like oh yeah Island, <laughs> yeah. like stevie wonder on the like why are you so happy dude you know why he's, like, so he's, 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 he's so happy he's so happy because he's so happy because he knows he's writing the worst song in the history of recorded music yeah yeah because he just figured out what a synth is and believe me he'll fucking it'll change everything later oh, on when we oh no he figures it. out what a synth is on this album <laughs> oh no that's what i'm saying like oh, okay, like, okay and then from here then it yeah. he fucking kills it yep. but anyways uh yeah I, I i i have to agree alex is doing his own thing he's the only one that looks kind of normal back there D- dlr is just 
I'm telling you, I can't think of a more prototype lead singer for you to create in a band. Yep. He's a good looking fit jumps, fucking ripped long blonde mame, just theatrics, just a perfect showman. I, I mean, I will say this. He's like the first guy that I could think of back then that I'm like, yeah, dude, I, w- I would like to be him for a day. Yep. Every guy. And like guys didn't think he was Brett Michaels. Like, look at that fucking pussy. Yeah. Like guys wanted to be him, even though he was like pretty boyish. Plus, he's you ripping know? bottles of whiskey in the middle <laughs> of songs. Like, <laughs> But are we not going to talk about that fucking wicked embarrassing hump dance that they were doing oh, when they come that's the unison thrust they do that all the time i yeah. know but I, that's the first it's time we ever i ever saw it yeah it's terrible. dude that makes fucking the deuce dance look like fucking the thrashiest thing of all time but that's that what i'm is, saying they, they don't like that that little thrust thing and then the smiling and stuff it's like you know you're in Van Halen, right? Like you're right. not in fucking Katrina in the waves. So like, only a couple doing? years later, Metallica down the street, yeah, and San Fran is angry, talking, hating all these posers. How is it that Van Halen, if somebody saw this video, never gets the shit that like Winger because, because or they got fucking the- what do you call it gets when they're doing the the three part hump dance? <laughs> like uh, on the stage and they're always smiling and happy because they got the musician they got the musical chops to back it up no one's gonna shit on van halen in that era no one they got eddie van halen Win- to carry him winger's not a fucking slouches that winger band didn't, musically. Winger, didn't, winger didn't come out in 1981 though that's the difference and they didn't grow up in the clubs in the sunset strip right. everybody right. was going to see van halen in the in the clubs right yeah, I'm just plus saying, Van Halen like, came out in the '70s, so by the time they came, by the time this vi- these videos, yeah, were yeah, thrown, I'm just saying it's it's wicked cheesy. Oh yeah, it definitely is, is. Oh, yeah. definitely yeah, is. All right. All right, let's flip the album over and get to more what we know as Van Halen. Unchained. Um, all right. One of the best riffs of all time. How this was not a hit single, I will never know. And if you're listening to this podcast right now, you don't like Unchained, then you should just just stop listening to Van Halen. Because this is a David Lee Roth era 
masterpiece. Everything you want about Van Halen, the riff, the energy, the chorus, the great verses, the backing vocals, the guitar solo, the breakdown, the Dave spoken word, everything is perfect in this song for DLR Van Halen. And it's amazing because Ted and Eddie are not getting along at this point. We talked about that a little bit. Ted didn't like all the stuff Eddie was doing on guitar. So Eddie and Don Landy would go in afterwards, after hours and change stuff and then just leave it in there. And then Ted would listen to the stuff that's changed and go, Oh, that sounds great. You know, that kind of thing. And not really know that Don and Eddie were doing that. And then, of course, you know, you got Templeton's only vocal contribution. Come on, Dave, give me a break. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. Who, who's, who's Templeton? Terry Pendleton. Terry, Terry Pendleton. Yeah. <laughs> Terry Pettis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Unchained, one of my favorite David Lee Roth era songs, for sure. Yeah. I mean, this is just, it. it's so good. It's almost like, it's almost difficult to, to talk about, you know, because it's so perfect. It's so amazing. I mean, for all the, I mean, we, we hate Rolling Stone, but Rolling Stone ranked at number one on the list of Van Halen songs. Um, uh, that's uh, uh reader's poll, Tom. Oh, that's true. Yes. Thank you for correcting me. I'll clarify. <laughs> it's a, it's a reader's poll. It's not <laughs> yeah, Rolling Stone themselves. Exactly. So roll. So at least the readers of Rolling Stone got it right. Yeah. Uh, the riff is, Yeah. It, it's an undeniable song. I mean, not liking Unchained is just you don't like hard rock. From start to finish, the song is absolute perfection. The riff, the chorus, what the band is doing, the breakdown, like you said, the Ted Templeman, give me a break. The you know Gary Pettis, give give me you know, give me a break. Um, give one, me a break. Give me a break. I shall deserve it. Uh, but this is oh, like I thought you were going to give me a break of that Kit Kat bar. No, I was doing no. no. Nell Carter, give me a break. <laughs> show. Well, was that a spinoff of Facts of Life that we've already covered yeah, today? I, I, I don't know, but give me a break. She had I think we talked about this once. She had to be the largest lead uh, actor in a series, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Uh, she was lot, what about, she'd be uh, given it to be given Melissa their McCarthy? own series. Melissa McCarthy. Melissa- Oh, Nell Carter's fat ass is bigger than her, right? Really? What? Yeah, I think so. I think so. She <laughs> was like a Molly. <laughs> yeah, she, she was big. Yeah, it's a good. Actually, she was kind of she was fat in Mike and Molly. Yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> but it's hard to make those like like because you're limited because you're not gonna have like love stories in those series. Why if not? Your actress is like four hundred, five hundred pounds. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> All right, let's get back to Unchained before we veer off into more 80s sitcom women. 80s fat women. That'll be that'll be the next that'll be the next shout it out loud cast bracket challenge. Hot fat actresses. And Delta Burke was looking good. Oh, dude, don't sleep on Delta Burke. Designing women, those chicks are hot. They were. Oh. One was fatter than the next. Oh, she had those blue eyes though. Woo. Big booty, <laughs> big booty Burke, <laughs> fucking potato chip cr- crusty fucking lips too. It's okay, you save some for later. All right, back to Unchained here. Th- this is to be. This is like the most metal that Van Halen probably ever got. I don't think there was anything either before or after that. I mean, maybe like Atomic Punk or something like that. Um, one thing I noticed about this and. Uh, Whenever we do ARC albums, you know, you you listen to these albums constantly, nonstop, nonstop. 
during the chorus of this song, the symbols that Alex is playing, it's like it, it's a constant like wave of of symbols. It, you're not hearing like you're just hearing like the like the wave of the listen to the song. You'll you'll know what I'm talking about. But anyways, Unchained fucking perfect legendary classic song. Unchained. Uh, it was the second single. Uh, the riff and that ch- 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 oh, kind of it's just so good. I don't know. I just this is Van Halen. Almost it seems like at their most cocky. Mm-hmm. Like we can pull this fucking thing off. And I think if you really want to encapsulate the best of Van Halen, this has got to be one of your go-to songs of the David Lee Roth era. Right, it's just so much fun. Uh, I love the um, the chorus on this. It's fucking the pre-chorus even on this. Uh, typical Eddie solo. Uh, the the come on, give me a break, shit. And just it only works if it's David Lee Roth. We're so used to him talking and being a character within these songs that one break coming up, just everything about it, like everything that Van Halen is well known for that they can pull off, like they put it together in this one song and it just worked. It's the, my favorite guitar work that he has on this album. That fucking sound that he pulls off is just even uh, you can hear it even in the choruses in the background and then the yep. the right when he gets into the one break coming up and then bang yep oh my god it's just fantastic and then there's the video and the video same as the other one the Oakland Coliseum kind of video and there's that opening jump a DLR which we all know um it's just, it's just Eddie smiling. I said it makes it. He makes it look like it's so fucking easy. Oh yeah, what he's I'm, doing up there. Yep. Uh, Michael, uh, Mark Anthony is uh, hamming it up. Alex is going wild on the drums, and I've just like nobody can touch them. I'm saying in this era. If I'm like Kiss and other bands and every other fucking rock band out there, I'm like, dude, how do we compete with this? And them doing that song live and performing. And I liked his version of doing it live. I didn't think it was that bad. I thought David Lee Roth hit it off. It's funny you say that about like in 1981, Kiss was doing music from the elder. Yeah. Van Halen's doing the bull. Van Halen's doing Unchained. What yeah. the fuck, Kiss? <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. Oh, God, just incredible. Give me, give me your incredible. best track from your latest album, Unchained. Give me your best track. Just, <laughs> just the boy? Like Escape from the Island? It has nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least the Oath has a killer riff. Just fucks up with the falsettos, but my God. But yeah. Anybody else want to jump in on the video? Yeah, you just get the gong on fire, right? Hit it 10, 15 times to end the show. <laughs> um, you got yep. people losing their shirts. All of a sudden, nobody's got a shirt on anymore, except for Mark Anthony, you know, because, you know, <laughs> he's a bigger. The other thing that's cool, too, <laughs> when you watch that video, 1981, nobody's got a fucking phone in their hand. 
All That's eyes, right. all all eyes are on the stage in awe. People reaching and grabbing for them because yeah, for his ball sack that is fucking even bigger than the last. Like throughout the concert, it was getting bigger. Well, yeah, because he was getting excited. He was he was getting an erection. <laughs> he was getting a ball erection. <laughs> his balls swell up when he gets excited. <laughs> oh, I was just going to make a Johnny Dangerously reference. If anybody knows that, <laughs> oh yeah, he's suffering from enlarged scrotum syndrome. <laughs> That's yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move to the next one. comes to shove so you know to me you get this funky bass line song almost has a reggae type feel it's like hangover music you should be waking up to or something if you're an r&b fan no way you don't love this song you take the guitar solo out you could probably have an r&b charting hit crossover i love the talking dave i've always loved it because you can sell it gotta hand it to eddie you know he could ruin this uh song with a guitar solo didn't fit instead it made the song even better. I would take 12 of these on a Dave Lee Roth album any day. Cause to me, this is when Dave sounds the best. And the closest we got was eat him and smile to me. This is one of Dave Lee Roth's best vocals ever. He is good at this kind of stuff to me. Sonny never ceases to amaze me here. I thought this was going to be like this. What the fuck is this doing on the album? Uh, you know, you're right. I love the sleazy, funky groove again. Just this is why I gravitate towards fair warning. And I'm not going to try to convince anybody that it's better than the debut or that it's even better than Van Halen Two. It's just a unique album. The band, this band is so good at what they do musically that when they do stuff like this, it works. This song probably shouldn't be good. 
It probably shouldn't be enjoyable. Sonny, you nailed it. David Lee Roth's vocals on this. It's not the, the, the wailing, cackling, unchained shit, which we like. It's fun. I think this is really cool. The, the, the solo is really unique. Again, Alex kind of coming in with a shuffle. Like you said, you know, even David Lee Roth admits that this is kind of reggae-ish. Um, it, it's it, it's a really unique song. Again, it's another song that you're never going to hear unless you go to Fair Warning and say, I want to hear Push Comes to Shove. I think it's cool. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what I don't know what just happened right now. Push comes to shove. When you said it's reggae-ish, it made me think of the video that you sent me recently. Oh no. I <laughs> I know. I know what you're gonna say. Tom sent me a video of a fucking Haitian fucking guy, or I don't know what the fuck he is, singing somebody fart in the minibus. Yep. It, it's a bunch of people oh, sitting there going, farting on the minibus, farting on the... It's like, it's like, if you don't listen to the words, you're like, oh, this is like a catchy kind of vibe. And then you're like, wait, what are they singing? in the minibus. And the video is people in a minibus in like some third world country and going like, farting. Somebody fart in the minibus. And they're all happy, except for some once in a while, they'll show somebody be like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know reggae now. I think of that fucking song. Thanks, That's what TikTok. Tom. Thanks for thanks to TikTok. Yeah. Anyways, this is the ooh song. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, push comes. Ooh, baby. I want to make love to you. Uh, <laughs> this is the precursor to Ladies' Night in Buffalo for DLR. <laughs> That song is so bad. I love that song. So do I. Last night in Buffalo. Because David can sell that. Yeah, he can. I think Ladies Night in Buffalo is like, I'm going to pick up fat chicks. (laughs) There's nobody good looking in Buffalo. And the fucking, the city, the town, whatever, Buffalo is a fat thing. So it's like, ooh, it's time to go do some heavy lifting. <laughs> Ladies Night in Buffalo. That fucking song is very catchy. And this is like a precursor to that. It's very, like he's trying to do soul or hauling oats. I don't know what he's trying to do, but he could have been that kind of a factor. It's not bad, but I, I'll use a Tom phrase. This is not what I listen to Van Halen for. I don't exactly. listen to Van Halen yep. to listen to hauling oats. Yep. Okay. Yep. And I don't want Hall and Oates to do Van Halen. Stick to what you're good at. But it's again, it's not a bad song. It's David being, ooh, I'm sexy. Yeah. But <laughs> now, 
Let's go back to the basics with the next track. So this is love, since you get a question mark there. Um, and the question mark's interesting because is it supposed to be, like, optimistic about love? Or is it, like, I'm not really impressed, so this is love? Right? So I'm not exactly sure if they were kind of looking for a yin and yang there. I can tell you it's a bouncy song. It's got a great groove, got a great bass line. I love the solo that Eddie does here because it's got a lot of feel to it. And they were obviously trying to write a radio hit because this darker album wasn't going to sell. This song got to 110, so it was right outside the Billboard Hot 100, and they had to pay radio stations to play it. So there was payola stuff all over this song trying to get it on radio. Um, This is why Diver Down came so quick because I think they figured out this album ain't going to sell we better put something out, otherwise we're going to be in big trouble here. Um, you know, this is not by any means the elder and going to end their career, but not charting on Hot 100 and you're one of the biggest bands out there was probably not going to end well if they didn't do something. Mm. So so this is love. This is the foundation of my Van Halen uh fandom this is the the very first song i ever heard from them and that was courtesy of those mtv coliseum videos that we've been talking about throughout the episode um to me this is one of those rare songs and there's a few out there we've covered some of them on arc i will never get tired of hearing this song i don't care if it comes on you know sirius xm i don't care if it comes up on shuffle or if i manually select this song never ever get sick of this song that's not just the nostalgia of it either the groove of the bass michael anthony oh my god the bass groove of this song and then when the band kicks in the the chorus oh my god i mean this right here is everything that i love about this band in one song the chorus how the how you get the gang vocals singing so this is love and then david lee roth jumping you know i need your love the solo is it's tasteful. It's not crazy, but it's crazy enough for Eddie Van Halen. You got the chorus, kind of like the outro there with David Lee Roth howling and Eddie just like hitting those chords. This song to me is just, it's just, it's so good. It's, it, and I kind of like it because I kind of feel like it's like my Van Halen song because it wasn't a hit. It wasn't. Like on a greatest hits album, it, it's and I, I go to it all the time. And this is one of the things, one of the reasons why Fair Warning to me is is one of my favorite Van Halen albums, if it's not my favorite. But this song to me, just fucking spectacular on every level. 
All right. So, so this is love. This was the first single. I love how they they say, well, it's, it was 110 on the Billboard 100. How the fuck do they know? They already <laughs> went up to 100. Anyway, um, it was number 15 on mainstream rock tracks as well. This is, you know, in a, I didn't know Tom at this point, but in a different, only the next town over growing up, the, this song is the same thing for me. This is the video that I caught. This is the thing that I thought of Van Halen. This is my first introduction to them. And I love this song. And, and I remember as you grow up in Van Halen and people talk about like, oh, Van Halen. Yeah. Running with the devil and talking about love, jump this night. I'd be like, so this is love. What, what's that off of? Exactly. And people are like, don't you guys remember that? And yeah. like, you know, it'd be like, no, if, isn't that the big song for them? And, if, you, and they if, you like, didn't, yeah, if you didn't have MTV, you didn't know this song. Exactly. And we yeah. knew it in the beginning. And by the time people got MTV, they, this wasn't being played as much. So, yeah, I, I just think this is, I, I don't know where it is. Is it the groove? Is it the vocals? Is it the, when my baby's on there and then Eddie's just, a, you're just hitting those like little, little fills in with the guitar. Yes. It's just, it's just. It's incredible. It's fucking incredible. And then got me on pins and needles. The, the drums and the bass coming in, everything. Oh. And Alex going nuts. And then the chorus. It's just, it, it's, it's a, I don't know. I, I'm, I, no, no surprise. I, I'm still thinking which one I like better. But these two fucking songs on this album are both off the charts. So that it makes me so happy to hear that somebody else likes this song as much as I do because I thought oh I was going to be I thought I was yeah. I thought I was going to be on an island with how, this here. How can't you love this? Yeah, I agree. And then uh, another th- the third video, which me and Tom uh, got us into Van Halen. Any thoughts on it, Sonny? Yeah. So okay, like I can live with the th- thrust move thing. <laughs> I think uh, you know Eddie running in place. That running in place thing he does, I think is cool. I think when Eddie jumps and his legs kind of, yeah, that's awesome. I think that's cool. That's very. He does the Nazi Uh, symbol with his legs. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The high kicks that David's doing; those are not those are not easy to do. The riser splits are amazing. Yes, dude. The little sideways jumps; those are annoying and they're feminine. (laughs) Okay, the little woo woo. The little sideways jumps he does. I'm like, what is that? Dude, you just jumped off the riser. What are you doing? Right? And I think it's uncomfortable when he's not the spotlight. Not quite too sure what to do. Doesn't have a guitar in his hand. And he doesn't want everybody watching Eddie. So he sometimes gets a little uncomfortable with his moves. And then a little sideways jump uh, doesn't do it for me. Yeah, I think he does something negative. But I I think that he can't, he's not a headbanger. So he's not going to do what other lead singers do when the guitarists go nuts, just bang your head and rock. He he has to be like, I don't get this. You you look at him, but half of you look at me too. Yeah. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. It's just, uh, but he does brag about getting his new Oakland scarf in this video. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I wonder if he got that at the pop up store. (laughs) <laughs> $70. No, yeah. no. It's Oakland. You know, 
the the jacket opens up. Want to buy a scarf? Uh, uh, yeah. Get some get some fly personal uh, hygiene. Dear. Check, yo, check us out. Stop, thief. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the beginning of the downfall of the Van Halen sound. The cliff dive off a of fair warning. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Sunday afternoon in the park. Um, I don't understand why this exists. <laughs> like, if Ted and Eddie were fighting about shit like this, then Ted was right. This is a completely unnecessary 118 seconds of anybody's life. And, you know, if you got this in you, Rathacons coming out, ETs coming out, Tron's coming out, and he just sell this shit to somebody else. Why is this on a... This is just as bad as later on throwing coins in a fucking piano and recording that. Like, this is just <laughs> stupid. I don't understand why this exists. Okay, so when I... when I, I remember when I first heard this, and again, spending extra time listening to this in preparation for the episode. So when I was younger, and I ended up getting one for my son, I had what, one of those cool Casio keyboards. <laughs> Okay, that have all that have, I don't know why I'm laughing because it's funny. So the one I had it had all like, all these different sound effects, and then when Michael was maybe ten, I got him one for Christmas. It was much bigger and much nicer. It had like drum effect, the all kinds of keys. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was beautiful. Really, really nice. Really nice yeah. keyboard. And I remember when I had mine, I would just sit around and fuck with sounds and make like gift because it was the '80s. It was the synth era. I I, I feel like this is a David Lee Roth being recorded with his new toy. He's like, you know what? Fuck all of you. I'm plugging in, you know, my electro harmonics micro synthesizer. And I'm just going to waste two minutes of everybody's life by playing, you know, the electronic version of someone taking a shit. Like, (laughs) I don't get it. I mean, it's interesting, but it's once you hear it once, you you don't ever need to hear this ever again, (laughs) ever. I was like, Sunday afternoon in the park. And I'm like, is there some sort of like Chicago connection to their song? Like from the title to this? I'm like, is it yeah, maybe why? that riff? Or yeah, what's the, like, yeah, what's the title mean? I agree. I, I, I look, I feel as though 
I agree with Sonny. I, I mean, I just put a huh? Yeah. Why? I don't understand this. So it does bleed into the next track, and Which it's kind cool. of in the background of the next track. So why didn't you just make it as part of the same track? Because he's right? Eddie Van Halen, and he hated everybody and at just, this time. And, you know, people were putting out eight tra- eight song albums. You You should have done that. Because the next song, we'll get to it, but actually, I'll hold that thought. Let's get to the next song. (laughs) And that is this. One foot out the door, um, there is a rumor that this was recorded in one take. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it because this recording is terrible. (laughs) It sounds like a demo. There is no fucking way that the band who wrote Unchained wrote this shit. Ending the album with an absolute thud. And even Eddie's great guitar solo couldn't save this. This was I, dude. Give me happy trails any day. Oh, like this. I no. don't like this. Okay. Uh, again, I'm not going to try to convince anybody that this is a good song or, or that you should like it. This is not. I I'm going to tell you. Or I'm going to can't. I'm going to tell you why I like it. Because because you're a homer. Because yes, because it's my album. I'm going to tell you why I like it because it's batshit. It, th- this song should not exist. When the guitar solo kicks in about halfway through, a minute in, I love it. Eddie's losing his mind. I like, I like the heavy underlying synth of this, and in like the frenetic pace that the the hate the. You could tell that the song was written like, all right, hurry up, we gotta we gotta figure out how we're gonna end up this album. Let's end it with this. I, I like it. I mean, it's not a go to song. I like it. I think I think the way it wraps up is kind of cool. Uh, but it's funny because reading an article here, it says, talking about one foot out the door, it says, and with that, fair warning comes to an exhausting close. I was like, well, it's only nine songs. One of them is an instrumental. I'm not exhausted by the time this ends, but I'll give him credit for this. At least the album ended on this. If you're going to if you're going to put this somewhere, put it at the end. One foot out the door. I'm like, it's a fast song, but this is a throwaway song. I have the same thing as Sonny. This is a demo that it just wasn't finished. I don't I don't understand it. And it, like I said, it bleeds from the old song that just came from it, Sunday uh, afternoon in the park. So combine the two and finish the track. Were you on a deadline or something? I don't understand this. This and then the solo goes, and then it just kind of drifts into an outro. That's as though they like they they just like had this song, somebody died, and they're like, 
well, maybe we could piece this together and, and come up with something. I like the outro, the fade. It just it just seemed like, oh, is the album over? Is it? That's it? Huh. Hmm. What a fucking downer. It just doesn't really do anything. But I will say this. It is one of the better solos on the album. Absolutely. It goes fucking nuts on it. Yep. But again, it it just seems like it, it just the, like they had some thoughts. Very Gene Simmons-ish where they just have half completed thoughts on the last two tracks and they just threw shit against the wall. That's all. Um, so that's fair warning. Tom, want to give us your lasting thoughts? Yeah. Um, so the thing about this album, to me, it has four of arguably my favorite Van Halen songs of all time. There's only nine songs. One of them is an instrumental. But this is this this I mean, I will say this is this is my favorite Van Halen album because it's so top heavy with my favorite Van Halen songs of all time. And I'm I'm throwing here about it later in there, too. I love Sinner's Swing and Dirty Movies as awesome, awesome, unusual deep cuts. The rest of the stuff, Push Comes to Shove is okay. And then what we just talked about, those two cent things, kind of weird. And I kind of let me preface my comments here before all the kiss tards lose their mind. It kind of reminds me of what Kiss did with Destroyer, meaning it was their fourth album. It was it was kind of unusual and unexpected when listeners heard it. But it's Destroyer is top heavy with, you know, Detroit Rock City, King of the Nighttime World, God of Thunder, Beth. And then it's got some unusual weird shit. It's got great expectations and, you know. Sweet Pain is a kind of a deep cut and stuff. I'm not saying that they're the same kind of album because I know Destroyer is regarded as like legendary and arguably the, a lot of people think it's the greatest Kiss album. But for me, Fair Warning is there's a lot of nostalgia tied to this album. Um, but it it really it checks off all the boxes. You know, it has Unchained. It has So This Is Love. It has something like Dirty Movies and Mean Street. I just think it's I think it's classic. I think it's legendary and I kind of always hold it close to me because nobody really talks about fair warning. So that's it for me. Sonny. Uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit before. This is the timing where, you know, Eddie's not super happy. He wants to play more synth. He's thinking about leaving the band. Depending on if you believe Gene, he's thinking about joining Kiss. He wants to get his own studio, doesn't want to be at anybody's beck and call. Him and Templeton are not uh, agreeing on anything. David and uh, uh, Eddie, the cracks are starting to show, right? They just kind of see it. And I, I think personally, I don't, you know, this is not written anywhere, but I think Roth is starting to see like Priest coming out and Scorpions there and Maiden there going, well, I don't have to just be with Eddie. There's other guitar players out there that are starting to do what Eddie's doing. And maybe he's thinking, maybe I go do my own thing and I have better control and don't got to do it with Eddie. I'm a Van Hagar guy to begin with. Overall, this album's good to me, but it's not great. It wouldn't make my top five Van Halen albums. And Tommy compared it to Destroyer. And I agree. It's got a Detroit Rock City, Unchained. Besides that, yeah, it's just like Destroyer, overrated. Meh. It's not their best album. By the time they get to 1984, it's their love gun. Yeah, I agree with that too. Right? The first Kiss album, VH1, classics. Yeah, 
I agree with that. There's a lot of similarities to the way this thing went. I I never go to this album, ever. I've unchained on other things I can go to. I, the The song I probably missed out on is probably Sinner Swing. I don't listen to that much. A push Comes to Shove makes some of my playlists, but Sinner Swing, I hadn't heard in a while, so I was like, ah, oh, okay, but I would never go to this album. It's okay. It's not great. Okay. Uh, for me, I, I didn't really remember it. I had the album for years. Um, it, it it falls in the line of it's good. I like it. It's really top heavy. And both of you are fucking nuts to shit on Destroyer. But that's okay. No, no, no. We're not shitting on Destroyer. Uh-huh. We're not shitting on Destroyer. All right. Regardless, let's get to the tracks. All right. Sonny, lead us off. Uh, number nine by Miracle Mile. Sunday afternoon in the park. Yeah, me too. Uh, make it a trifecta. My number eight is I had one foot out the door onto my way to the park is my number eight. Me too. Uh, make that three. Yep. All right, now here's where we will have some changes because my yeah. number seven compares to um, if you want to die, if you want to die, <laughs> if you want to die. I don't want to, baby. I don't want to <laughs> hear about it later. Ooh, yikes. Uh, number seven for me, push comes to shove. Uh, I'm with Tom. Push comes to shove. All right, number six for me, although I do partake in some dirty movies. <laughs> uh, number six for me, Sinner Swing. Dude, what the fuck? Sinner Swing. Oh, my God. All right, number uh, five for me is Mean Street. Oh. Uh, number five for me, Dirty Movies. <laughs> Uh, number five for me is where me and Tom part. So I have mean street. Ooh. Okay. Number four for me. So this is love. Oh, number four for me. Hear about it later. Four for me is dirty movies. Number three for me is Sinner Swing. Uh, number three for me, Mean Streets or Mean Street. Uh, three, hear about it later. Number two for me is when push comes to shove. It's not, oh there's no way. God, number two. Number two, baby. Uh, this would normally be the automatic number one, but. It, it's it's not going to make it this time because of something else. But number two for me is Unchained. I, I'm, I'm telling you, right to this point, I don't know where I'm going. I like the David Leary Roth one break coming up. They don't yep. have that part. And so this is love. So it's like coin toss. I'll take. So this is love is two. Okay. And my number one is Unchained. Yep, and my number one is So This Is Love. Unchained for me. Okay. By a whisker. Yeah. 
All right. So our top four are identified. Our fourth is, I don't want to hear about it, waiter. Okay. Our number three is Mean Street. Number two is So This Is Love. And number one is Unchained. And Unchained will win that by a landslide. Oh, I agree. That won't even be, cl- that won't no, even be close. Nobody, yeah, they don't know the other ones. That won't even yeah. be close. Yep. Yep. All right. Here comes the fun part. Let's do album covers. Uh, Tom, want to lead us off? No, no. Sorry. Sonny, want to lead us off? All right. So my top five right now, five is moving pictures. Four is the monk burning on Rage Against the Machine. Three is come and get it. Two is slide it in. And one is peace of mind. I actually, uh, I think the painting thing's an interesting idea. I had never looked at the pictures as much as I've looked at them the last probably couple of weeks. And I think it was a good idea. So I'm going to put them behind the robot tiger and in front of the bullet going through the apple at number 11. Fair warning. Wow. Okay. Uh, So my top five covers right now are five moving pictures. Rage Against the Machine, Blizzard of Oz, Purple Rain, Master O Puppets. Yeah, this cover is definitely unique. It's uh, there's a lot going on as we talked. I don't know how much I like it per se, um, but I am going to bump out. Rocks was at sixteen from last month. That's where I'm going to put this. So I'm going to put I'm going to put Fair Warning at sixteen, uh, right in between. Ten and rocks. All right. Uh, for me, my number five is slide it in. Four, peace of mind. Three, appetite. Two, blizzard. One, hotel California. I am going to put this at number nineteen under moving pictures above hail to the king. All right. Let's go to actual albums. Oh boy. All right, so my top five right now are Appetite for Destruction, four is Slided In, three Hailstorm, two Purple Rain, one Black Tiger. DLR Van Halen, it wouldn't make my top five. Right now I have it below Hail to the King and above Blizzard of Oz at number 28. Yes, it is below Heat, Bullet Boys, and Tesla. And if there was no Van Halen, would those three exist? No, but if there's no pizza, there'd be no shit either. So whatever. That's actually, I'm surprised. That's actually high for you. I thought it was going to be lower because I know how much you don't like DLR Van Halen. I, uh, I don't think DLR is at fault for this album. I didn't have really any problems with anything DLR was doing on the yeah, album. I it's just, just like some of the vibe yeah. of the album. Yeah, I, I, oh, I totally get it. That's why, that's yeah. why it kind of flies under the radar. Um, all right, my top five albums right now are rage against the machine shout at the devil purple rain moving pictures and at number one is master O puppets again uh we're not ringing the bell this episode i can promise you that however we are going to get a new top five Ooh, because fair warning is bumping out rage against the machine and it will be at number five for me it'll be right right Below Shout at the Devil and right above Rage Against the Machine. Wow. Yep. My number five is Pyromania, four Blizzard, three Hotel California, two Automatic for the People, one Purple. At the top five for each of us, the only one 
that is on two people or more is Purple Rain, is number two for Sonny and three for Tom. Everything else is different. Yep. Yeah. So uh, where am I putting this? I am going to put fair warning. Um, This is so... This is fucked up because I'm like, huh. Um, I'm going to, all right. I'll, I'm going to put this at number, <laughs> at number 26 oh. above, above don't say no. And, um, and beneath detonator. <laughs> oh my God. What's the matter with the two of you? I like more songs on detonator. That's just, right. it, it is so. Top heavy, it is, and it I like the is. other song. There's the last two songs, like, like even, even I know Sunday afternoon in the park is useless, yeah, but it's not like it's just noise, it's not like fucking turn this off. This song is terrible, and same thing with um, one foot out the door, it's not bad, it's just I don't like it. There's nothing doesn't drive me, and the other songs are pretty good, but the, it's just top heavy. And I like, really like more songs on the song on the albums above it. That's the only difference. So I got you. Now we do this. Sonny, Tom's favorite part here. What makes you rock hard? <laughs> All right. So I'm going to go with a movie from 2009. It's basically a B movie. We would have, uh, you know, it would have went straight to VHS back in the day. Comedy. It's called The Goods. Live hard, sell hard. Have you ever seen this? Probably that's the not. That's the full title of the movie? Yeah. The Goods. Live hard, sell hard. Okay. So the movie stars Jeremy Piven, nice. Bing Rames, James Brolin, Catherine Hahn, Ed Helms. Um, it's ba- the movie flopped at the box office. The plot is there's a family call, uh, car dealership that's failing, and the owner hires like this mercenary. His name is Don Reddy, who's played by Piven. Don brings in this team, does some stuff on July 4th weekend, saves a day, falls in love with the process. One of those fun movies. It's especially if you're a Jeremy Piven fan, and I am. So oh, I've too. seen pretty much everything he's been in, and the character absolutely fits Jeremy 100% because, you know, he's kind of rambunctious, you know, arrogant. Uh, you know, the guy's name is Don Reddy. I mean, come on. Um, if you ever saw that old movie, Used Cars, oh, yeah, that type of vibe a little bit, but a little more modern, obviously, because this movie is, what, 28 years after Used Cars? But uh, it's a B movie. It's out there on, I think I saw it on uh, Showtime probably. It's called The Goods Live Hard, Sell Hard from 2009. If you're a Piven fan, go check this out. Oh, okay. Nice. Uh, So for me, it's that season in the holidays. Uh, By the time this drops, Christmas will have passed, but it's still the season. Uh, There's a movie that came out last year. I watched it then, and I've watched it again. And second viewing, I love it even more. It's a movie called Violent Night. Now, it's like a Christmas like action thriller with a little bit of horror elements. It stars David Harbour. Uh, if you know him from you know Stranger Things and whatnot. Star, he, he plays a Santa Claus. And he ends up t- 
taking it, it, it. It's it's funny. It's almost like Die Hard because he ends up he plays Santa who goes to the house to you know do his Santa Claus gift giving thing, but the house that he arrives at, he discovers that that it's a wealthy family, and that they've been taken hostage in their house by these mercenaries. So of course Santa comes to save the day. Now I know the description of it. It sounds goofy, but the movie is. Fun as shit. David Harbour is amazing. Again, it's like an action thriller. There's a little bit of gore, a little bit of like kind of horror violence to it, but it's supremely entertaining. It's tons of fun. David Harbour carries this film. Uh, I highly recommend it if you're into that. Brace yourself because it does have some some kind of nasty gore parts, but it doesn't override it. You know, it's not a slasher. It's not a horror movie. Uh, but it is a ton of fun. It came out last year. It's called Violent Night. Highly recommend it. Lots of fun. All right. So mine, the previous month, I had done uh, a documentary, JFK One Day in America. So I yep. got on the JFK fucking, you know, rabbit hole. And I, I've, I've always loved JFK assassination, JFK stuff. Uh, when JFK, the movie came out, I remember being a oh, kid yeah. watching that non-stop and got infatuated with the conspiracy stuff so there is a new podcast out it's done by rob reiner and uh soledad o'brien i i've never been addicted to anything like waiting for an episode to drop every episode it comes out on wednesdays every episode i'm like what the fuck you get more mad because i know a lot of the players and a lot of stuff but stuff is constantly breaking about the JFK assassination throughout the years. More and more shit comes out all the time. And they break this thing down and make it so fucking fascinating. It's like I heart true crime series and stuff. And they just, I, I'm addicted to it. And the and, and I don't know if it's the best thing or the worst thing about it. So is heavy mail. So he likes to DM me about things and he gets all passionate as soon as the episode drops. So what's the name of the podcast? What, what, it's what's called, it called Who Killed JFK? I gotcha. Okay. Unbelievable. So they're only on episode eight so far. It's about a half an hour, 40 minutes. If you listen to this and, and, and go through it, you get more and more upset and more and more like, how can somebody realistically tell you that this is what happened? Um, fascinating shit. I, I love it. It's done professional and it's perfect listening for your commute. Perfect. Rob Rob Reiner. They let him out of the insane asylum to record a podcast. Who meathead? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking done. Yeah. So as much as you know, I know he's very political and left wing shit, but as yeah. much as he is, he's still done some incredible fucking storytelling movies. Oh no, I agree. Business oh yeah, I'm just final tap, oh, fucking yeah, yeah, Princess yeah. Bride. Yeah. So he can tell a story. And the other chick is, you know, whatever. She does yeah. other podcasts too. So he he brought her on just because she can storytell with him. And they have first, you know, sources, people still alive telling their parts. It's just yep. amazing. A lot nice. Of That's cool. All right. So what we do next is uh, we listen to Sonny. Tell us where we can find him. Uh, easiest way is growinguprock.com or just hit me on Twitter, on Facebook. I'm I'm at places. I, I'm okay at social media. I'm hit and miss. It depends on one is time. I think the second thing is just want to. Yep. Yeah, you know it's funny saying we missed you um at the um at the Kiss Week in New York. So I, I didn't get your take. I'm I'm curious to hear it. Were you sad, happy, glad that you weren't there? 
I, I watched the pay preview. I watched it with Nicole. We, you know, went through the whole thing. I didn't miss the concert at all. My my thing is missing the hang and missing the friends. Yeah, right? which was better it's, than I the concert. Yeah, exactly. I don't get to see you guys that often. So missing out on that uh, was way worse than anything. Because even when the, the pay-per-view got done, Nicole's like, that's it? Didn't we see that in 2009 when Buck Cherry opened? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yes, you did. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but you would have been more angry if you paid for all that shit and were there. You're like, that's right. That's, that's it. Right. <laughs> yeah, but the <laughs> friendships and all the other stuff was was yeah. was so much more. But you yeah. know what? You, you got to kind of see what we saw. The same fucking thing. It's the same yeah. show. Did you see them last time they were in your town? You saw this. You yeah. saw the show. Yeah. yeah. And I'm. I can be a kiss homer at times, but. I wouldn't have went, went and chased down a pizza box. No, God, I, I know. Went to the no. pop-up if it shop. was near us, we get like Maybe. the pop-up shop, Tom and I, like, what else are we can do? We have this day planned. Let's go to the pop-up shop. Let's go to the, yeah. like you, you kind of plan your day. And we got there decent enough time that we weren't like, I'm not fucking waiting three hours in a fucking yeah, line. Yeah, there's no, no way. I'm no, 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 like, no, no. We waited about good 40 minutes, 35, 40 yeah, minutes. I mean, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. but I went to went to I would have went to the parties, you know, D'Angelo's thing and all that stuff. Like I went yeah. to all that stuff. Oh, we're not that social, Sonny. You're more social yeah, than I us. Know. Then. <laughs> like we wouldn't have done that. We we were like, this is where we are. If anybody wants to hang with us, they can come. And uh, that was good enough. If not, beat it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, Tom. What about us? Are we around somewhere? Yep. So shout it out loudcast. If this is your first time hearing us, we are a all kiss podcast. We drop kiss related episodes every Saturday. We do album review crew with Sonny once a month where we each review a non kiss album. Uh, and you can find us on our website at shoutoutloudcast.com for all that information and much more. And you can send us an email, shoutoutloudcast at gmail.com, or you can follow us on all the social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Yeah, and uh, don't forget to uh, follow us next month when we uh, pick a sunny pick. It was nice. We made it this long. It was great. Um, we'll see what happens with this one coming up anyway. Uh, what we do next is we end on famous last words. Sonny, why don't you lead us off? I need to know. I need to know. Tell me, baby girl, because I need to know. You guys know what that is? You guys is, don't know what that is? Is that a Van Halen song? No, it's Mark Anthony. I was I just going to gonna say, I knew you were going to do I something stupid. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll get to the real stuff. I know I don't ask for permission. This is my chance to fly. Maybe enough ain't enough for you but it's my turn at a try hmm nice well my baby's on the corner and she's looking so fine put one and one together and it blows my mind a man needs love to live i'm the living proof catch that smile and i hit the roof <laughs> All right. Pictures on the silver screen. Greatest thing you've ever seen. Now her name is up in lights. Everything turns out all right. 
that's the theme song to Lisa Sparks. That's right. Yeah. I don't I, I don't know if she was ever prom queen though. Oh, Tiffany Meeks. Oh, there's a good one for you. <laughs> yeah, Oof, she was yeah. she was a good 90s fucking Oh yeah. She was vicious. That'll be an that'll be an that'll be an episode soon. Tiffany makes his greatest hits. No, no, no. 90s porn stars. Oh, okay. The era, the era of big giant fake tits. <laughs> <laughs> the 80s was the era of big giant bush. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> bush. Break out the weed whackers. All right. Well, Tom, Sonny, Loudcasters, thank you. Always a good time. Get ready for my pick. Oh, guys, always a blast. Love doing these. Everybody, thank you. All you sinners, swing, sunny, Zeus. Thank you. Good times, always. Peace out, Girl Scout. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.